Knights, you're listening to Marvel's pull list for new comics on sale June 17th, 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Tucker, I just would like to wish you a happy 616 day. I know uh, you yes. celebrate in the most glorious of ways with as much meat as you can fit into your <laughs> body. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, just a bunch of USDA approved prime cuts. Um, <laughs> wake up. I do a full body shave. Full, like smooth like a dolphin. Eat a bunch of beef all day long. Um, and then I uh, fashion a cape out of uh, some garbage. That's right. Oh, I thought you were you were you were fashioning your cape out of sausage links, which is you know traditionally the six one six day uh, mode to do things in, which is fine. We all celebrate in our own unique ways. Six one six day is uh, a not holiday, but I'm trying to make it work. I've mentioned it on numerous shows. Uh, we have a new episode of Marvel's Pull Us the Video Show where we preview some books coming in September. That is out this week. So we hope you all check that out. It's a lot of fun. I did something fun with Hasbro on the Hasbro Pulse where I mentioned 616 Day. And we've got plenty, plenty more. Uh, and this episode of Marvel's Pull Us is really extra special because we have wonderful guests joining us a little bit later. That's right. We have Vita Ayala and Danny Lore who are joining us. Vita, of course, uh, has been putting in stellar work on so many different books. One of my favorite X-Men books of the past mm, past couple of years at this point now. Um, it was that uh, it was the pre-Donovex book when Zach and Lonnie were kind of Leading the Charge in Late Age of X-Men, uh, and uh, it was a Bishop book that I really adored, and then Vita, of course, has done Morbius and so much more, and now Vita and Danny, who are writing partners on other series, are uh, uh, working on 2020 Ironheart together, which is uh, incredible, and uh, yeah, two uh, really, really fascinating and I think super exciting young writers that uh, I can't wait to talk to. Yeah. Uh, shouts to our producer, Jorge Estrada, for uh, reminding us that is Prisoner X, which is available on That's Marvel it. Unlimited. If y'all want to catch up on that book. Um, we're going to get to the Marvel Unlimited titles a little bit later. We do have a couple of new issues for everybody this week. There are four new issues available digitally. And as Tucker mentioned... The first one, right off the bat, is written by our guests this week, Vita Ayala and Danny Lore. That is 2020 Ironheart number two, with art by David Messina, colors by Mattia Iacono, with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, this one, I like the first issue. I really, really like this issue. Uh, I think this one particularly feels very relevant to these days, especially when you have Natalie, who is Riri Williams' um, AI that is sort of fashioned off of the memories of, uh, of Riri's deceased best friend, Natalie. Natalie has a line uh, this from coming from an AI, and the, the line is, quote, if we're not helping people, then what's the point of me? Which I think, you know, something so many people are finally like embracing and thinking about like, what am I doing if I'm not finding a way to help people to say something, to do something. And Natalie's charge through this story is just like, there are people who need us to be heroes in one way, shape or form. And it feels really interesting where Riri is like, I've seen so many people I love die and I, I, I can't, 
put more people in danger. I have to find ways to help myself. And so there's this really interesting struggle between the two characters because Natalie really is such a vibrant character in this book. Uh, it was so exciting for me because, you know, I think in any comic, in any story, like you're kept, you, you're always in a way you're anticipating certain beats. You're anticipating um, someone to kind of bust down a wall you're, and, and come through and kind of announce themselves as the kind of central um uh, kind of villain in the story you're expecting a big brawl to break out in a certain way or, or whatever it's just ingrained in us but this story kind of broke that mold in such a fascinating way and it took the conflict that might be realized um, uh, more traditionally in certain other ways and it shifted it into such a really unique kind of interior and uh, between Riri and her friends and her life and her responsibilities and it, it put the spotlight on that which I thought was really bold and um, of course there's a couple of like really cool superhero beats in here that I think people will be really excited about but uh, just the audacity to say this is the story we're telling this is how we're going to analyze it this is what we're going to um, do with this character I think is so awesome yeah, a lot of this is subverting like what you expect from characters, which I love in, in all kinds of ways, good, bad, indifferent, all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's one moment in here, and I don't know if you caught this one, Tucker, where I got a legit laugh. What, what the kids say, uh, an LOL, it <laughs> forced a laugh out of me from uh, Xavier, who is like Ruby's, her other best friend, who is just a delight. I love Xavier. He's been really great in all the Ironheart series. But he, the quote from him was, I'm going to be real. I forgot about Dre. And <laughs> I laughed. I don't know how much of a hip hop head, as the kids say, <laughs> you are. But that one made me a chuckle. It was real good. Uh, it, it just the book hits lots of notes like that. It's, it's fun, yeah. but it's also like super relevant at times, too. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. After 2020 Ironheart, number two this week, though, as we move on down the list of new Marvel comics, we have Ant-Man number five, which is written by Zeb Wells with art by Dylan Burnett, colors by Mike Spicer, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Um, I I think I, I've long said what a huge fan of Dylan Burnett I am. Um, I think... You know, there's just a, he's just another another one of those artists whose kind of natural style, line work, silhouettes feels kind of I don't know a word that comes to mind is chewy for me, mm. um, and I think that works on multiple fronts. I think there's a certain there's a, um, a meatiness in a way. Not to bring it back to our USDA approved. You love uh, meat. Beef talk. One word, beef talk. Um, Ooh, Marvel's pull us, colon, beef talk. <laughs> beef talk. Um, uh, not to go back, but, but there's, a, um, there's a certain tactile nature to the characters, to um, the objects that the characters are holding, to the, the helmets and the costumes. There, there's something about it that, I f that feels tangible in a way. It's the best way I can describe it. But at the same time, it's so fun. And I think it really um, leans into the expressiveness of these characters. And I think with a story like this, especially, that is so important because uh, this is a story all about a relationship between a father and daughter. And, 
you know, those acting moments are so crucial to this story amidst all the crazy action that's going on in here. So last week we had Deadpool number five, which was a great kaiju story and was so fun and delightful. And this one, similarly, we also have a giant monster um, and some wonderful monster action going on here. Um, I loved it so much. Oh my gosh. So much giant insect kaiju. Like it's just so much fun. And then Ant-Man does this thing and it's an upgrade and it reminded me of Ultraman, which, you know, if you know, Ultraman, he's like regular size and he grows really big and he fight. He only has, you know, originally only has three minutes to fight. And so he also Ultraman, a lot of the giant like humanoid fighters in big kaiju, they do a lot of judo and wrestling moves. And so there's a couple points in here where uh, Ant-Man does wrestling moves on on the kaiju. And I, as the wrestling kids say, marked out. Whoa. <laughs> um, I completely agree. And, and I also want to shout out the design work going on here because just literally how these like monsters are rendered is so cool. I think it just feels it just straddles that line perfectly between like being totally like um, grounded and scary because it's like creepy insecty kind of mollusky uh, that's a word that I just came up with <laughs> mollusky um, uh, and also like totally perfect within the reality uh, that Ant-Man occupies this is a like a, a real roller coaster ride of an issue I think this series has been um, uh, kind of ba- walking this amazing tightrope between being a very intimate story about a father and daughter's relationship and the father's kind of ability to let go in a way and, and allow um, his kid to grow up and have her own agency and to, for Cassie to kind of embrace her own kind of superhero life with, you know, the natural like hesitancies that he might have with that. Um, but this issue is like a big mega throwdown, which I just loved. So much good stuff to to dig into here. I think this is one of my favorite of the series. Yeah, I really hope Dylan gets to do like a, a young superhero book, a team book or a solo book or something where he's mm-hmm. drawing younger characters because he excels at that, but also where they're fighting monsters because we clearly see he knows that stuff too. There's a great epilogue to this issue. Also, the phrase bug justice rules so much <laughs> and it is very important to the towards the end of this issue. It's great. Really, really fun. Uh, if you've missed out on the Ant-Man series, do not sleep on it. Check it out as soon as you can. It's five issues long, and it is, it's tremendous. Um, all right, next book is Ghost Spider number 10, written by Shauna McGuire, uh, drawn by Iguata, colored by Ian Herring, and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. Now, this is the final issue of this run, unfortunately, uh, but it's, it's a really... I love the way they do it because it's not like, all right, let's try and tie up everything and, like, you know, rush through getting to an ending. It is, it is something that puts... Ghost Spider and the characters and her world and all things in it into a specific point and says, this is the end of this chapter, but this is not the end of the story. There's hints at like, there's going to be more stuff with, with Gwen and more stuff going on. But it, um, it really, I was like, I got to the end. I was like, damn, what, what's next? Where did, where did they go from here? Um, it has a big moment, which is the origin of the storms. We see Johnny and Sue and what they went through to become who they are and how just dirty twisted they are. Like Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, we see like the Council of Reeds and all these different Reed Richards from different universes. And we see, you know, we've seen different Doctor Dooms and we've seen different characters 
we don't always see the different Sue Storms and Johnny Storms and how they could be so delicious and weird and scary and, and all kinds of things. And I think that's something I really loved about what Shannon did here and building out the, the, the supporting cast and different things that are going on. Plus, like her Gwen was so good and what what she goes through, where she stands at the end. Um, one of the things I got to give major shout out to Iguata, uh, and I'm sure this was in the script as well, is Ghost Spider's costume morphs as she's getting deeper into danger oh, so and battle. Awesome. And that, like, it's one of those things where if you're just, you know, like casually flipping through the comic, yada, yada, yada. But when you like look at it and how it smoothly transitions and brings you deeper into the story and tells you something without like specifically telling you things, it's really great. Uh, I loved the series uh, and I'm excited to see what happens to Ghost Spider after this. Totally. Um, and then, hey, our last uh, book that we're covering uh, this week is Valkyrie Jane Foster, number 10. It's written by Jason Aaron and Turun Gronbeck with guest art by Ramon Rosanas, uh, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, I, 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 I think we've talked about this before, like the specific kind of excitement um, that I get from seeing that word guest, guest art by. Um, it's such a cool thing. Um, I think especially when you're reading a book on, on a monthly basis, issue by issue, because you, you get to know the contours of what this series is. You get to know, uh, the, the kind of back and forth that the writer and the artist have, you get a real sense of that dynamic. And then we have guest art. Uh, it's so exciting for me because it's like, okay, what is this person going to bring? What kind of twist are they going to bring to the the visuals that have been established in this series? Um, how are they going to make it their own? How are they going to lean into what's come before? How are they going to um, uh, kind of just have their own inextricable sense of themselves uh, weaved within it? Um, and I got to say, Ramon uh, just absolutely crushes this. It It's so, I mean, there's... There's an incredibly high bar on a series like this. Given Jason's history with this character and how much love and care he has for this character, and then given the work that has come before, like I was talking about, which has established this at such a high level. Um, uh, so it's no small matter to have an artist jump on board, but I really, really am into um, the art in this issue. And it's another one of those things. It's kind of similar to Ghost Spider. Uh, in how this series really takes advantage of its supporting cast and this issue specifically from uh, the Warriors 3 through to Thori and Do so not many sleep on Mr. Horse. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Horse is champion knockout hero of the century uh, tucker have you played the game red dead redemption 2 uh, you know what i haven't but i have watched someone play it for long periods of time one of my favorite pastimes uh that's what my wife does actually she watches she's like i love this movie uh and yeah like we make choices and decisions together and it's great but one of the things about the game is having a horse and like sort of bond like you literally bond with a horse and like i spend a lot of time brushing and feeding the horse look <laughs> it's very therapeutic but it made me it makes me appreciate horses more and then in this one we have a, a little scene with the winged horses of the ten realms and there's like the catty like 
like uh, fancy poncy horses of Asgard who the I, I don't want to even say anything more because it is one of the most ridiculous and fantastic bits of uh, like dialogue by talking winged horses you'll ever see. I can say that affirmatively. And then yeah. it's so good. And then Mr. Horse is there just being perfect and, and sort of like, I'm just a working class horse. I, I don't <laughs> I don't need any of that fancy stuff. And then you got Thori in here. Exactly, it is yeah. for anybody who's a fan of any of these characters, like this is you're just gonna eat this up. There there's so much going on in here from from Jane through to Loki through to um, you know, Thori, and uh, there is, you know, it, there's just an incredible rhythm established and, and maintained all the way throughout, and you know, I, I'm I'm just left wanting more. Yeah, and if anybody yeah. is looking for to to keep tabs on what Loki's up to in the Marvel universe, you might want to read this book. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are the four new issues at this week. Of course, we have new issues that are hitting Marvel Unlimited. Uh, there's a ton of them, so I, we won't read them all. There's some Annihilation Scourge issues, which are really fun. Three Dawn of X titles. So you have Fallen Angels, New Mutants, and X-Force uh, are out this week. Immortal Hulk, you know, Eisner nominated Immortal Hulk. <laughs> so good. And issue six of valkyrie jane foster so if you're like well i heard them talk about number 10 maybe i'll give this book a shot now you can read the first six issues of the run and you will then have no choice but to be a hard and fast fan of valkyrie jane foster oh yeah uh, but Tucker, those are all the comics that we have to talk about. But we do have a wonderful conversation ahead. Why don't we bring on uh, Vida Ayala and Danny Laura to chat with us? All right, folks, here we are. We are talking about truth, red, white, and black today. This is written by Robert Morales with art by Kyle Baker and letters by uh, JG and Comic Crafts. Wes, Vida and Danny... To get us going, why why this book, Danny? Why don't you why don't you start? Uh, well, I've always been a very uh, big Captain America fan, personally. Um, it was kind of it's funny. Um, my dad, growing up, tells stories of like how he was like a, a an Iron Man fan, and I'm like, oh my goodness, have I betrayed have I betrayed our family line? But like <laughs> that's fine. I'm right. Uh, so anyway, uh, um, but what's also really important for me uh, in the Cap stories are when um, they really look honestly at uh, our past as a nation and our concept of what's fair and what's good and what's right. Um, I think that that's the best use of the suit in particular right now where there there's so much happening right now in terms of the protests and really trying to speak to what people go through on a daily basis uh, in, in America, having that opportunity not just to sit with this story that really reflects it like in a very, very raw way, um, but also having the excuse to kind of uh, talk about it and process it with other people uh, really appealed to me. Um. For me, this is Vita. <laughs> uh, for me, there, there were a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them was that I, I found that it's really hard to find other people that have read it that you, like just in general, like if you worked in a comic shop, you probably read it, okay? If you're, you know, black, you probably read it. But like in general, like 
there aren't like you talk about like you know the black captain america and they're like oh you mean sam and i'm like no but good but no (laughs) that's not what i'm talking about um and so you know it's it's a you know also an excuse to reread something that i think is is really beautiful but i thought all right well y'all are giving me the space to talk about a book that you know, I want to talk about, and I want more people to read this book and it is available through, you know, Marvel Unlimited. So y'all could just search it up now and just read it for free. Y'all don't have an excuse. Um, <laughs> it's, know, not even, we, it's not even, it's not even that. You. It's not even no. that. It was, it's much more like, Hey, you know, I remember when I first discovered it by accident, it was out of print, but at the time for like a second, but like, there was like a used copy at the strand and I was like, what in, what in tarnation is this? <laughs> like, I'd never seen this on a shelf before. And I was like, is this real? Is this like a bootleg someone like put in there? No, this is, this is a real thing. And, and the joy of being able to discover a story that I think is as prescient now as when it came out as before it was written, it was also <laughs> like, um, is, is really something special. Um, and it is, you know, accessible within, you know, the grasp of people that read digital comics. And that's, I think that's really cool. Um, also, it's just good. Like, it's just really <laughs> it's good. So good. And I think that, you know, even if you have read it, this is an excuse to read it again. Like, that's what I took it as. I was like, all right, cool. What do I want to read that isn't homework? <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, and kind of piggybacking off of what Vita was saying, uh, I'm a real big nerd about um, meta experiences while reading. And there is, uh, especially when you're talking about making sure that people who haven't haven't gotten to read Truth yet, like really get to experience it. Um, in in that way, for me, reading Truth is a very meta experience because it's like being Steve in that story, right? It it's this moment of it is both a hidden history, like on like three levels. It's a hidden history, like the reveal, the reveal of what happened to Isaiah. It is a hidden history uh, in terms of all the real life historical moments that it talks about and it references. And then on like a comic reading level, it is that book that you saw on the shelf and were like, I, I've never seen this before. And it is uh, like a, a, a hidden um, history in that way as well. And this, I mean, so I, <laughs> I just started watching Watchmen, the show. I'd never watched it before because it was really intense. And I was like, I need to lay, like, I'm going to need to give myself the space to really, so I'm just going to wait. Um, but I do remember when it was coming out, how people were talking about, they had never heard about Tulsa. They had never heard about X, Y, and Z. And I was like, that's a, that's, that's a real thing that happened. And what I realized is, not realized, but what, what it, illustrated to me again was that sometimes you you light the fire by telling the story laterally you know what I mean like Hmm. we've learned so many things you know I personally have learned so many things because it was referenced in entertainment somewhere and I went I really want to know what that is Um, and so I think truth does a lot across the board it talks about what we did to you know African-American soldiers just in general it talks about experimenting on black bodies it talks about not giving credit for the things that black people have done. Um, and all of that is really important, especially right now. <laughs> it's always important, but I think that there's a, there's another, another moment in history of receptiveness to all of these ideas and being like, Hey, this happened. Let's talk about it again. 
This is going to be one of my favorite episodes in a very long time. I, I love, and not, not just the book, not just the subject matter, but the, the way that you both talk about these things in terms of the minutia of an experience of reading something or the entry point into reading something, what that means. That's, I, I just love that so much. And, and, and Vita, you mentioned with truth how kind of prescient it was um in so many ways i think it's so fascinating that was something that i was thinking about a lot as i was reading this because it's prescient sure but it is totally totally appropriate or it's it's that thing where I love that it's called truth, colon, red, white, and black. I mean, this story could easily be called red, white, and black, or it could be called, you know, so many things, but that is such a unique title. And I love that so much. And it's prescient only in so far as the reader's um, maybe shelteredness to certain experiences um, might be, because this is a truth and it's speaking to truths that have always been in reality. They've always the, – this is speaking to things that, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about World War II in this story. but It could be tomorrow or yesterday. Exactly. And, and so it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where Ryan and I talk about movies all the time and we anger the, the show's producers – <laughs> um, Jorge and MR because we were get off subject and we talk about movies all the time and, and you hear a lot of people talk about certain movies feeling super prescient and getting more relevant over time. I think Social Network is one that a lot of people have been talking about in that vein lately. Um, and there's that kind of prescient media but then there's this kind which I think is entirely different which is just like there's obviousness to a lot of these things but the power in giving it this mantle and of saying this is captain america this is uh, an experience that has certain parallels with a steve rogers story but also entirely different um undertones entirely different just front-facing experiences at, at all you know it's just that thing where i i ended up going in this kind of very you know big circular exploration as i was reading this just with the story and then within um you know my own mind of thinking about it and then it just comes back to being like oh yeah and that's why it's called truth um uh, uh that's <laughs> well why named. it has the name that it has it's 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 so perfect in that way the name is is slightly confrontational in in the best way it's like this is the truth it's red white and black come along f learn why this is the truth and if you don't like it too f bad this is the history of the marvel universe this is what happened and you're going to learn this story and i think that's so important it was in 2003 and it's more and more every day yeah, when I was uh, rereading there, you know, like there's a couple parts that like stood out to me in particular, like obviously uh, the whole scene where they asked Sarge uh, what was the worst battle he's oh, ever yeah. been a part of. Um, and that that sounded like threads I read recently, you know, like it, it read exactly like threads about people at protests right now um, in some very real ways. But then also what really stood out to me is that that one line from the FBI agent where he goes, black people have always known about Isaiah. You know, like we don't know the details, but but we've all known, you know, and uh, when you guys were talking specifically about like the prescience is directly tied to 
how informed you are about the community that it's about. Like it plays with that exact moment that is true about reading the book uh, with within its pages. It makes sense that even if Steve wasn't, you know, like literally on ice, that he wouldn't have known because it's not it's not something that would have been considered important to the people around him. And and actually, I would push that further, and it seems like they would have purposefully kept him from knowing because he, being the kind of person that he is, would have then been like, well, then we have to speak on this. And it clearly the mechanism behind everything was keeping it secret because this these people are the experiments and the dis- discarded people and the disposable people. We have our shining man in red, white, and blue, and that's the one that counts. So, like, even though, like, you know, like, the, the part where they talk about, uh, where they say that, that Isaiah uh, stole the uniform, and it's like, he wasn't wearing it, he had his own, he's good. <laughs> like, that's his uniform. Yo, or the moment that Steve reacts to the health insurance. Yo, yeah. That's like that's one of the moments where you're like, this is why no one told Steve. Yes, because if if Steve had ever for a moment found out that this that they gave this man what we like, if you're reading this book, you probably have strong feelings about VA health insurance. Yes, uh, absolutely. like if, if you emotionally connect to this book and uh, the poor treatment of, of veterans. So, you know, that like this moment is above and beyond and for for them to have taken so much from this, uh, from Isaiah and see, getting to see, like, that was one of those moments that's so real that I'm so glad is in the, in the book, but because of that, it hurts so much. Like, cause you could have, you, you didn't have to have that detail of a moment. You could have still had what happened to Isaiah happen without that detail, but that a detail is, is what makes the story retelling of truth. What is it? Um, not to go all like nerd classic literature sort of thing, but Do the it. things they carried. Yeah, yeah, yeah for the sure. The things they carried where they have the story, the chapter in there that's about true stories don't have to be true. Where it's this whole thing where it's uh, no matter how exaggerated the details or how much you've made up the details, it's still a true story, which you know obviously ties back to this being called truth. This is an incredibly true story. Um, and, and those those details like the the VA healthcare is one of them, and and even even more so, um, <laughs> I think that it does a really good job of of showing how much we sanitize our history just in real life, right? And it shows us how much the people, you know, how much is kept from people because then there would be mm-hmm. change. <laughs> Right, not to not to get a little too like real with it, but we we picked truth. We're gonna be real. <laughs> we we did we did. You know the amount of people that didn't know about Black Wall Street, that didn't know about the Tuskegee experiments, that didn't know about all of this stuff that that was done, that didn't know actually what Christopher Columbus like did, like all of these things where it's just like you're taught in school that like X, Y, and Z, and it's very clean and very clear cut. And here are the good guys and here are the bad guys. And all these people kind of contributed. Um, But then people learn about the truth. And then they're like, what, what the hell, man? Like, how could you lie to me like that? I built my entire foundation of how I understand myself in the context of my own country on these not just omissions, but lies. Like, what do I do now? And I think that that, you know, seeing Steve wrestle with that, too. Like, I, that's I feel Steve's like it, story. <laughs> this book does such an incredible job of being like, 
See, even even Captain America, <laughs> they've even lied to him. What are they lying to you about? Um, and I also think, shifting a little, um, one of the things that I also found incredibly kind of like true and raw was this experience of all these different black men and, and what it looked like, but they all ended up in the same place. And I thought that was really... It was it was uh, true and also painful. That first issue. Um, j- yeah, just like yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm terrible with names. So, but the uh, the one they call Lord Fauntleroy, I always I always forget his yeah. name. I'm terrible. I'm sorry. I just literally reread it too. Um, but <laughs> you know, it's like no matter how much money you have, you're still black. It doesn't matter how educated you are, you are still black, and you're still you still have to struggle. You know, you're still gonna have you're seen in a certain way by people that are non-black, and you still have to reckon with that. Like, to me, you know, and then you have Sarge and, and who used to be Black Cap, <laughs> like, which I found really great, too. Like, demoted for being real. Like, I was like, this is too good. Um, you know, all of these different men, and they all end up in the same place because at the end of the day, they're Black. And so this is how they're going to be treated. I was like, y'all, it's, it's 2020, and this is still too true. <laughs> this, is, this is a lot. <laughs> I'm going to go lay down. Uh, Tucker, before you continue on um i just want to put a note out to any of our listeners if you've not already read this book pause the podcast please (laughs) pause the podcast (laughs) yes read it it's uh, as danny mentioned and vita mentioned it is available on marvel unlimited it is it's been featured uh of late so it's easy to find it is called truth red white and black but um read it before listening to more of this because we are talking about the story and if you've not read it before, it's one of those I would I don't want to be the one to spoil what this story says and does and and that that journey that is going to upset you, I hope, and um and and do something to you. So it is it's great and it's upsetting and it's funny and it's sad. Um so please experience it before you hear us talk any further about it. And also, uh, I will just also say that the art is so beautiful oh that if you've got like a large tablet, like looking at Baker's art on a larger screen is just what he does is just absolutely beautiful in this book. Oh my God. Like it's like there were just pages and you just sit there and like the softness of the expression or like the rain, like no one does a punch like no one does the beat before a punch like Baker does <laughs> like that panel when you know someone's about to swing. And there's a couple of really good moments like that in this book. Uh, so uh, highly recommend it. And everyone who gets punched deserves it. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, our producer, Jorge Estrada, uh, says that the book is available as part of our uh, current list of free books in Marvel Unlimited. So you don't even need uh, a subscription to Marvel Unlimited to read the title. So no excuses, please. Big important point uh, that Danny was talking about Kyle Baker's art. Those covers by Kyle. Oh, those well. covers are like incredible. those covers yeah. are some of Yo. the just the finest pieces of art that Marvel has put out. And I like you just stare at those covers and those are like it, just put They're yourself breathtaking. back they are so breathtaking put yourself in the shoes the of one someone with the going numbers? oh my god put yourself in the shoes of someone going to a comic book shop the week that any of these issues comes out and you do, maybe you don't know what this book is like how do you not pick it up how do you not get drawn in it is it's incredible yeah man i completely agree it's that thing where those covers are so unapologetic they're so um outspoken in their visuals 
And I love that so much because it's this, it feels like a dynamic where even with that, the issue number one cover, which has such an unmistakable silhouette and such a, a, a powerful statement visually that I feel like is at the heart of this story with just saying like, this is the story we're going to tell and we're going to speak uh, about what we want to speak about. And then you open it up and your entry point is uh, in issue number one is uh, at the World's Fair and you have you get you get this big splash page where you get the credits. And I just think it's so perfect that you enter this story with these smiling, joyful black faces and this experience that is of a community and there is a joy that is so um, obvious. And then as we start there and then we slowly become folded into this story, as we slowly become folded into the military and to all of these other things that are uh, that impact these characters in such profound ways. But that entry point is so incredible at, at the top here, which I, I just love. And what I love about, the, and this is Danny, not Vita, actually. Uh, <laughs> I know, hard to believe. Um, but one of the things I love also is that you start on this joy, but even that is taken away from them in that in that scene. Right. Is that like you get this joy and you're literally given a miniature world at this World Fair like event that is supposed to be not to like reference other things, but it's supposed to be like Wakanda before any any of them know like a Wakanda, you know, like Israel, like in, in universe, mm -hmm. right? Like it's supposed to be this this this. It's the world's fair. World. It's the world's fair, but they yeah. actually let black people go, which is yeah, you know, like, <laughs> and it's like this moment where they have it just goofing between the like uh, Isaiah and his. Are they married at the time? I think it's just their dating. Yeah, uh, uh, I, can't I don't think it's it's it's. I'm. I think it's unclear actually, um, but um, this moment is taken away from them. Because it's like, oh, ha ha, we have these white burlesque women on, like, for show, when normally at this point, like, in, in like, in a carnival setting, like, you would have pretty much, like, a very uh, rough, exotified uh, moment of uh, imported Black people <laughs> put on stage, right? And so, like, there's this moment of, are they fully reversing this? And then it's completely taken away, right? It's, it's completely this moment of, oh no, but you can't touch, you can't, you not even touch, like you can't even look in their direction. Like, you know, even here, you know, and like that is really the moment that foreshadows, like already you have like the world's fair moment, which is obviously uh, anyone uh, who like is like a Cap fan at this moment, like that that is a statement starting there, right? Um, but like, and then you immediately have that moment quiet, like, quietly shattered because even here there are you're not allowed to do everything <laughs> um and i think that that's such a great reflection of the t tone of the first issue in general you know where you where it it gets each story gets to that point at a very at various stages uh but at each point the someone hits the line of the thing they weren't supposed to be able to do 
Yeah, there, it, it's very, very good about showing that no matter how much prosperity or happiness you have, everything that you have is conditional if you're black. Like, doesn't, like, across the board. Even your military rank. <laughs> Um, and because Kyle Baker is a genius, he did draw a wedding ring on on Faith's finger at one point. Just like thank you, they they <laughs> don't even need to tell you. They just put it in there. I was going through the pages. I'm like, I no. I feel like they feel gave like us they that were answer. Married, yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they knew it, man. Uh, I I do want to say um, as we get into this, talk a little bit about Robert Morales, um, who is the writer. He passed away in 2013, and. It's it's wild because his only other Marvel work was an eight issue run on the core Captain America title, which was the year after this. And it was right before Avengers disassembled in 2004. Um, and that arc has the Patriot Act, has Cap going to Guantanamo Bay, has Fidel Castro. It is uh, a ton of stuff. There's an issue all about Bucky, which is this, this like wonderful storyline. He does those with Chris Pachalo. So, you know, it's like are just incredible stuff. And then the two issues uh, that finish out his run feature I, Isaiah Bradley, um, who was introduced here, sort of. Um, I would say go read them. They're, they're really cool issues. Uh, you can find those on Marvel Unlimited as well. I won't spoil what those are, but um, if you they're once you so read good. this, they're, they're really <laughs> good. And if you need a little bit more of, of some of this tone and some of this, um, what this was doing and seeing where he was going with like his thoughts, this was that. I think it's no coincidence. This is one of those things that, that that popped up to mind earlier is that, you know, it's I don't think it's any coincidence that this series came out starting in 2003. Um, war in Afghanistan in full swing, the war in Iraq just starting. Um, so obviously all of these, all of this stuff is, is, you know, right perfectly in the zeitgeist. But to then take it and use it as an opportunity to talk about these things. It, it, it is, it feels like one of those situations where this is so incredible, it's so good, where it's it's that dynamic where black people and people of color have to, in order to reach that threshold where uh, one breaks through, a black person, person of color has to work 10 times as hard to get to that place. And once, though, once once that happens, once Mahershala Ali is wins an Oscar for Moonlight is a good recent example. Movie talk. Um, <laughs> it's like a revelation. Where where did this person come from? What happened? Well, like how do we, how do we not see this, this talent? This experience exactly. That's cyclical. That happens over and over. <laughs> That's an amazing yeah. example yeah. in particular because I remember specifically. I'm blanking on what magazine, but there was an amazing article when people started doing that with him in particular. That was literally like time out. Let me explain to you how long he's been in the game and what he's been doing and how hard he had to work for you for you to notice it. There was also a lot of like people covering like you said this five years ago when this person did this and you said this five years before that when this. So it's like y'all have this very short memory of like the basic skill and humanity of black people. And it's it's kind of ridiculous. I think it's also really interesting, not interesting, um, but I think it was very smart to do World War II stuff centered around black people and and all that stuff because this, that's what the, that's that's widely known as like the last war that we won and that was clean and that all this stuff and it's like no it wasn't 
No, it was not. No, none of that is true. They, they lied to you about that, not just about how we treated our own people, which was not good, but also the fact that like we brought over Nazi doctors and we did this and we did that. Like that all happened. But like all of that gets very lost because it's the great, you know, that was the last good war. Um, and so to, to really d- dig into the fact that there was no war can be clean was especially not you know, the, the cleaner that it seems on the surface, the dirtier it is underneath. Um, it always struck me, even when I first read it, as something really, really smart. And also for me, like, related uh, to what Vita was saying, is the choice to make it a squad instead of a single experiment, uh, I think is really important here, uh, kind of um, to the idea of that means in a very real way there is a dossier of bodies to have made one Steve. You know, like, uh, and I, I think that, that that is part of what you see Steve realize, you know, like that there was all of this that happened, you know, like before Serum, you know, like for him. Uh, and that there that there was a squad that we have to watch fall apart one by one. And even before that, there's the uh, this is why you put spoilers, I guess, <laughs> before <laughs> the 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 absolute cruelty and lack of care of life where they they completely destroy and murder everyone in that in that camp. They're just like yeah. this whole military base is dead, except for the people we're going to take and experiment on and further, you know, desecrate their flesh but everyone else is is useless chaff and they're dead and you're just like jesus (laughs) speaking of how great uh morales and baker are at storytelling the way that you can um look at at that issue and that scene and then relate it to later when um when isaiah goes to the nazi camp and is faced with um the gassings and stuff there and how especially when you read it all together you're clearly like the way that uh baker draws isaiah that it's it's not just faceless nameless like tragedy it's for me at least reading it i'm like this is just him seeing that again yeah you know it is the moment for him where he's like it's all the same tragically to people who look like us except you know, like he's been threatened, but also like deeply for him, except I know my wife is at home to come home to, you know, like in a real way. Sorry, my wife literally was like, wife, I'm a wife. <laughs> um, uh, I can't say the word wife in my uh, house without uh, being like, that's me. Um, I'm not looking at her. We're talking about serious things. Uh, the problems with a one-bedroom apartment is that I, I, I get the, the uh, peanut gallery over here. Um, <laughs> when he is confronted with, with literally Hitler and is told to pick sides, and his side is with his wife, you know, like, how, like, powerful that is that this book very much bookends with how, with for the Black people who have been abused... <laughs> during this war, how, how much similarity there are with the methods, you know, um, with the splitting of the scientists uh, across uh, the country lines. But for him, that's 
his heart is what makes the difference between the sides. And I think that that's in some ways that that's the difference between him and Steve and what makes them cap. Because for Steve, it's very much, you know, it's not I've chosen America because, you know, America, it's I've chosen, like I side with America because- He believes in it. He believes in it. He has thought about- He believes in the ideal. He believes in the ideal in, um, he has thought about like that on a, like on a philosophical level. And he's like, this is, this is why I side here. Right. And with Isaiah, it's very simply like, this is literally just where my heart is, you know, he's and and I think that that's a really powerful thing because then it's the difference between country versus community in a real way, which I'm not going to get into because I will do that for like four hours. Well, Um, it's also too, like just, just looking at it at at that kind of level, like these two Captain Americas and what they embody, right? So like Steve Rogers embodies what we should aspire to. We should be the best human being that we possibly could be. Um, We should do good and kind things because we should do good and kind things. That's what we should do. Um, and then Isaiah, he embodies the strength and, and struggle. He's like, this is what it took to get here. This is what it took. I'm carrying all of the memories of these men that are disappeared now. They do not exist anymore on my back with me. And I'm continuing to fight because that's what I have to do. I have to, I have to you know, persist because I, I am who's left. Uh, and, you know, there's something really true <laughs> and powerful about that. And also interesting when you parallel uh, that with, uh, not to be, you know, obvious uh, fanboy about this, but uh, with when Brubaker uh, uh, revised uh, Bucky's background. Uh, like there's a, there's a real parallel there. Um, between the what we want what we want to be and what we have to be to feel that way what others have to be to uh for us to feel like captain america um in a lot of ways there are a lot of similarities i think in the way that uh those stories were structurally told it's it's yeah, all of this speaks to how brilliant these creators put the story together and not just, again, in terms of the narrative and the work on the page, but metatextually as well. There's a lot of conversations happening right now in terms of the perversion of different Marvel characters. And I think both in-universe and out-of-universe, that has happened a bunch with Steve Rogers. So I get on my high horse about uh, Steve Rogers a lot. You can ask Vita. Um, But like, uh, I'm very fascinated with characters um, like Steve who have, uh, who would have uh, what you kind of consider neutral character arcs as opposed to rising or falling um, and how their shorty of self and their uh, shorty of of not necessarily what to do, but why to do it is always strong and sure. And the stories come out of wrestling with uh, the fact that war is not that, right? That war is something where uh, an action that you would usually find abhorrent 
may be the kindest thing you can do or what would normally be uh, a really uh, magnanimous gesture can be can have horrific consequences right uh, makes me think of um, one of my favorite collections uh, that I actually need to reread uh, soon is uh, Paul Jenkins wrote that miniseries I think it's Theaters of War where each issue is a one shot about Steve but from the perspective of a soldier who fought with him in another war um, and it's this really amazing thing where there's this whole story about this one soldier who uh, loses a limb uh, while in a battle alongside Cap. And for, like, I think a couple of decades, actually, like, when he comes back, he can't get over it. Because for him, what he sees is he lost something. And Cap is just this shining, perfect thing. And he grows really resentful of it. Like, it becomes, like, a focus of his resentment uh, until one day he's in the hospital and he wakes up and, and Steve is there. And they end up talking and he's kind of in this weird state of, uh, I could be wrong when it's at the hospital. It could be at, there's a barbecue that happens in that one. That might be where that happens. But, uh, and they're talking and it's the first time he's actually ever had contact with Steve since. And one, Steve remembers who he is, which he's just like, he's come up with in his mind of this guy is perfect and none of us matter. And Steve is just like, ends up revealing that he remembers the name of every soldier who has gotten injured, died, or gone missing on the field with him. Um, and it's this perspective of that's what he loses every time he goes into the field. Um, and I, and that for me is my Steve, you know, like when, when you have, you have like your favorite characters or even your not so favorite characters, but there's the moments that you define them by. And like, it's the, it's the metric with which you judge characterization. Right. And for me, that's the same Steve that's in this book. Right. This is that same Steve who found out that someone suffered for him to him to exist and he can't let that rest he has to know you know he he has oh, to the, the 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 scene where he gives him back his costume uh, oh gosh gets me every time i'm literally tearing up right now just thinking about it I'm like, listen i you, you win this round i, re <laughs> I have already reread it but like i reread that like literally in the half hour before this and i'm like cool i'm gonna be fine when i when i when i sign on no i i you just know. like for me i I've, i think steve is cool i've never been a huge captain america person but i do like a good captain america story i like when you have a story that gets to the core of the character as opposed to the pomp and circumstance of the character right that in general that's just what i like about stories <laughs> when they get to the core of the character um but I think, uh, you know, I agree that sometimes you have people forgetting what makes us trust and love Captain America. And so they'll write a story that isn't about that. And to me, that's like, uh, whatever. I don't I don't have to read this. I when I I have reread this twice in the last like four months or so. I just read it recently just because I wanted to read it. And then when we when y'all picked this, I was like, yes, this is something important to read again but when i got to the ending again and what what you you two were saying it, it it's it's the steve moment which is wonderful and it's it's like ah yes steve you're, you're you you are who we need you to be but it's the silence that we see from isaiah and he oh can't my god communicate and he and what he's been through and yeah that like the way it's depicted those moments, those last couple of pages and the, seeing the photos on the wall, that's what 
like destroys me every time it is you know i like i my grandfather had strokes and he had alzheimer's and i you know like you see when when you have an artist who understands the way to depict certain things and and pulling from sources and like i saw you know you see things and people and the way it's drawn and i was just like every time that those last moments but also too they bring it back to the exact image that they start with which is joy yes right so like he has been through all of this and no one deserves joy more than him and where is he he's with his family true (laughs) where he belongs So I've been having a lot of, I had a couple of discussions uh, on social media recently, uh, particularly about what bearing witness means, like when you, when you really think about it and, and what that should mean. Um, And one of the things that I was really taking from the conversation is it's not just about seeing something, right? It's not just being a witness or being a bystander to something, but it is allowing the witnessing of that story inside of yourself to kind of uh, absorb it and allow it to change you and the world around you. It's about uh, making, bearing witness is about making a story matter in like a really big way. And what I love about this is Steve's entire part of this story doesn't end up being this thing where he's like, it turns out that Isaiah has been, you know, locked away and he has to like violently save him or something like that. It's that Isaiah has been quietly living, you know, for a while. And the last moments of this comic is with those pictures, with giving him back the, the suit, which is an acknowledgement of who Isaiah is, is Steve's purpose is not to be a hero, it's to bear witness to a hero. And like that I think is mixed with the joy of doing that is what makes that end particularly powerful to me. It is, Steve is a hero in not doing heroics here. You know, it's it's not about bashing doors down, although I'm sure that he pissed off a lot of lawyers figuring out what he could but do but it's uh he, that's the thing too like you're not given a solution the thing i love about this is that yeah you're not lied to there's no making up for what happened yeah it that's not it he can't fix it he cannot fix it the only thing that he can do is like you said bear witness and let and let that incorporate what that means into how he moves in the world right like what what questions does he have coming out of this too right like that's going to change how he looks at everything as it should um i love the the scene too um where he's talking to the god i'm trying not to curse uh (laughs) to (laughs) the the man who was a lieutenant but is in prison now yeah, pig man? that piece of trash. Merit. That's a nicer way to put what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, merit, which is perfectly. We're good. gonna call him demerit so, for the rest demerit, of this. Demerit, yeah, no merit, <laughs> merit, no merit. Um, and and just the way that like you see him. Also, I just got the pun. <laughs> oh my god, his name's a pun, Danny. Danny. He doesn't. This came out it. seventeen years ago. Listen, Danny. I have never kept Danny. a pun in my in my brain for longer than two seconds. So, <laughs> Danny, 
This is the only moment during this that I'm sad that this isn't going to be a video podcast because I'm, I'm sure that my expression is hysterical. <laughs> but oh my, sorry, B, I just didn't. Because I, I don't, as we were saying earlier, I don't have a lot of opportunities to talk about this out loud. So I've read his name, but I've never said it out loud in reference to this book. So yeah, okay, continue now that my revelation is done. Sorry. <laughs> the undeserving merit. Um, but just the way that Steve is like, you wore the uniform. Like, and this is what you took out of that? This is who you are? This uniform, it, it doesn't matter. The uniform isn't the thing that's mattered. that matters here. It's the people in the uniform. And like the shame that I'm, sh- you know, that is implied that Steve feels at being, you know, at, at not wearing exactly the same uniform, but at being a part of this is, is really powerful there too. I think that like, again, I'm not the biggest Captain America mark, which is fine. Everyone has their favorites. Um, but I think to me that like, that's the story and that, that's the moment and that's the Steve that I come back to of like, no, this is shameful and I, I will not stand for that. That is not what I stand for. A quick aside, I think in the first part of this episode, Tucker and I were talking about recent books and I used the term Mark because uh, that's what the, the kids who like <laughs> wrestling say. You see, Tucker, Correct. I'm not alone. <laughs> Vita says it as well. No, yeah. we're, we're, Marks we're, for different super, things. We're, we're wrestling heads, though. So we see, will use go. heel <laughs> turn and face turn. Like. All right. You're outnumbered Absolutely. this time, Tucker. Go back to your French cinema. We're talking <laughs> wrestling. It's wrestling time. There's room for everyone. I, 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 side note, I also just love the small insights into Vita and Danny's like working uh, uh, dynamic that that we are quietly <laughs> getting through, which I just uh, I adore. This is exactly what it's um, like. Uh, it. it it's one of us going, oh my God, how? And the other one going, oh, but, but it's brilliant, I right? mean, well, yeah. We trade. Um, we switch back and forth. Yeah. Who's having the revelation? Yeah, I, 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 when you get to the end of this story, it's, it's, you can only, one can only conclude that this is a masterwork given all of, all of the conversations that we've had about the, the meaning behind so much of of this story and so much of the imagery as well. So not not just the writing, but the art, like the symbiosis going on here. And to land on that last image, exactly like you both are saying, it's like there is incredibly powerful imagery happening in there with Captain America, the kind of, you know, the this in this pristine you know, red, white, and blue kind of striped uniform. And then you have uh, you have Isaiah there w- with the flag essentially in tatters, but he's wearing it, but he's also strong, but he's also joyful. It's, it's so incredible. And it, again, it's just a page that represents an ocean of discussion and um, uh, an artistic not to conflate these things, but artistic merit across the board um, that is just, you know, uh, again, it, it's, it's worthy of these conversations and, and so much more. Um, you know, it's, again, it's one of those things that the more you dig into it, the, the stronger and more powerful it becomes. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And in like, it's just so powerful where when Steve is apologizing to him and 
in the context of, especially now when you were talking about like the um, occasional perversion of these heroes, right? And uh, in context of after the uh, scene with Merritt, where Merritt goes through what is frankly a heat. It's so weird because it's 2003, but we see now people who uh, have gone down that that logical almost word for word, right? Like it is it is a very uh, noticeable uh, process. And then for Steve at the end of this book to explicitly say, "My duty is to you," that like I am here to do what I can for you and for your, uh, your descendants, that that's, that's my job, that that's what I represent is you, um, in a story that starts with, uh, Isaiah being told that he can't go to like a little burlesque show, you know, like that's such a powerful way to, way to do that, you know, like, cause it's that moment of, you know, it would be difficult to not feel like the most important person in the world if Steve ever told you that. And this book does a really quality job of writing a Steve that is not just a hero, but makes everyone around him feel like a hero. It's it's the uh, the um, Hawkeye arc where he where the Captain America's not here speech where like he goes like you know like. Cap makes everyone want to be a better person. Like, and when Steve is apologizing to Isaiah, like, it makes me want to be a better person. It makes, you know, like, it makes me want to be the person that is that aware of my footprint, you know, like, on the earth. I think, too, for me, uh, I don't know if this contradicts or parallels what you're saying, um, but for me, reading that ending, too, as, as, as much as Steve is doing all of these things, what I love about it is that Isaiah is home already. Yeah. He's already home. It's after the He has what he needs, you know? Um, And, you know, there is no amount of punching that can change the past. And I, you know, what really struck me is that like, no, he, the story of his wife, uh, that his wife tells about how he got home, like all of that. It's like, no, no, this is, this was done long before you were here. Thank you for coming. Thank you. But we didn't need you then. And we don't need you now. We just appreciate that you're here. (laughs) Uh, But we are together. You know, Uh, we've stood together. We as a community brought our boys home. And in whatever capacity that we had. Because we were forgotten. But we didn't forget each other. And that, to me, like, like it, I think that's separate from Steve doing all this really, like, important work, right? Like, I, I don't want to diminish that. But, like, to me, that's what was really powerful about that ending <laughs> is that oh, we, we got each other. I absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely agree. And I don't think that they contradicted each other at all because I think because, well, because we're taught because in the end, there's a difference between what Steve should do in the situation, which I think he does absolutely the perfect thing. Right. I think, I think he yes. should. Absolutely. He should show up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sure. But also it's an important message to show that he wasn't needed. But if he had learned all this information and not shown up, right. he's not cat. Yeah. Then, he's <laughs> then not he doesn't Robert. deserve to wear Absolutely. that, wear that uniform. But at the same time, and like, and that's why he, they, the scene is 
the scene is quiet, right? For sure. That's why the scene is about, like, even when he shows up early on, like, who told you that he was dead, Steve is experiencing the epilogue. <laughs> you know, like, but the epilogue is still essential to the story. No, I think, I, I, it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's a beautiful So we're moment. in agreement, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I just, I love, I love how com- complicated that is. Right? Mm-hmm. Because this is also a thing, this is a sentiment and a thing that happens now. Right? Where it's just like, oh, you're here now. Well, we were already here and we, we got it. But thank you for joining. Thank you for coming and standing and, and for doing the thing that you should do. For that, we are happy to have you, but we're here. <laughs> we'll take a picture. We'll take a, we'll take a picture. We're very, you know, I, I think that, like, they do a good job of kind of depicting Faith's feelings about that, too. Like, she talks about all the stuff that she did, too. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Like, this is, it, what happened is a, a tr- atrocious and a tragedy, but these people's lives are not tragic. They're, they're together now. And they took care of each other and they achieved without you to witness it. But thank you for coming now. Because I think that that part, too, is one of, one of the things that sticks out to me more now than when I read it before. Is that, like, we already did all this stuff, but you know what? Yes, please come. And stand with us now. You were late, but that's okay. It's okay if and, you're late and, and that showed Steve's up. And reaction to being late is, I'm going to take up the mantle. Like, it is assuring him, it's assuring Isaiah, but and, and also Faith, that... Well-named. <laughs> yes. Uh, that I'm going, that uh, all I can do is, is, is keep doing the work. And so all I can do for you is assure you that it didn't stop with you. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's also interesting, too, to acknowledge that Steve Rogers is, in this case, and canonically, I guess, he is the legacy character. He is not the originator. <laughs> yeah. We have Black Cap. That's the one. And, and now Steve is the one, actually, who took up a mental. He is not, you know, the foundation, which is pretty dope. You know, we, we the, the wonderful thing about this conversation that we've had one of the many things is that we've talked so much about this book and there's so much we did not talk about and i'm thankful that we did not talk about some of those things because those are in they're in they're in the the book right it's those things that because they're invariably there will be people who listen just because they keep listening i know i do it with certain podcasts i'm just like i'm just gonna listen i'll I'll check out the, the the art later uh and and there are things in here that are they're just going to knock people on their asses and it's going to it's going to be great and it's wonderful and and the stuff that y'all were talking about at the end so much of that i think for me is depicted in the art uh so beautifully uh, Kyle again yeah, i have absolutely. to go back to Kyle Baker cuz he's he's one of my favorites he's a legend he's a genius um and and he's not done enough marvel work for me i mean he's done scattered stuff for like 30 years like he, if you look at his resume you see how deep it goes um he's got stories in my favorite humor book what the and he, he's got stories you know going into the 2010s and stuff um he's his biggest run aside from this is deadpool max uh which is not available on marvel unlimited but i you know you can check that out uh but I, you know i have to say if you liked the art here, if you like the storytelling, if you like what is going on here, check out Why I Hate Saturn, Plastic Man, King David, Nat Turner. There's a lot of work. Nat Turner. That, um, yeah, it, Nat Turner, like a, a million and a half ways to Sunday. Um, those you, you got to you got to check them out. Give give yourself um, that that opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I think that that last 
conversation is a perfect way to to wrap up our discussion about this book. Uh, Tucker, anything else you wanna you wanna add on? Read twenty twenty Ironheart. Yeah, <laughs> it's excellent. Thank you. Good man. Yeah, <laughs> much appreciated. I, I dug the first issue. I loved the second issue, uh, which we talked about earlier in this episode. Um, oh, thank some, you. Some great stuff. It has uh, what I maintain is our funniest joke of all time. <laughs> I, Was it the Dre joke? I, yes. yes. I'm so proud of yes. myself. <laughs> so true fact, I, it wasn't legitimately laughed out loud. It was not. We were doing <laughs> the lettering pass, <laughs> and then like. Danny said something about like, oh, but we have to acknowledge Andre. And I was like, oh, I forgot about Dre. Wait a second. And then I went, and <laughs> no, you said, no, you said, you said Xavier has to say something. Um, and yeah, and you originally and I like, had, oh, I, I think, Andre, Andre saying it. And I was like, nah, nah, we need, Xavier has to say this nonsense. Yes. And, and then we were like, will we get away with this? We'll just do it. And if they tell us no, then we'll, then we've got options. Uh, better to, better to <laughs> ask forgiveness than seek permission. <laughs> but like, so we were just like, we we're going to put it in, um, which led to a hysterical copy editing note. Uh, about whether <laughs> the best ever where we got a copy editing note about whether or not we should keep the accent because the accent <laughs> is in Andre but not in Dr. Dre um, and I feel really powerful about that it was very um, good uh God bless our company. What what you, Danny, what you and Vita <laughs> lightning in a bottle moment here don't know is that Ryan and I recorded the first part of this episode earlier where we broke down all the books that are coming out this week. And Ryan took a whole five minutes just to talk about that joke <laughs> and how it made him laugh so hard. I'm it also so, made us so laugh. so perfect so. that this came up again. <laughs> it had to we be We were done. so, like, childishly <laughs> gleeful about that joke. We were just like, well, we got to do it. This is, like, the one time that, like, on what planet are we going to have a character that would make that joke and a character named Andre and the perfect moment? Like, we just got to gotta risk it. I did it for the community. I did it for the culture. Um, <laughs> for everybody out there. But yeah, thank you guys for having us. Uh, this was super fun. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. Thank you both so much. Big thanks once again to Vita and Danny for being on the show. Uh, of course, check out 2020 Ironheart. Um, follow them both on Twitter. Check out everything they're up to and look forward to, I'm sure, plenty more from the House of Ideas by both Vita and Danny. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Padagos, Tucker Marcus, Jorge Estrada, and MR Daniel. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is our our freaking beef lord, beef king, number one, beef prince, Brad. Number, <laughs> number one with a beef bullet. Uh, we keep mentioning Brad Barton, who is on the, the Marvel audio team. One of these days... We're going to get old Brad on to get, maybe we'll do a dive with him into some books uh, and see, oh, pick man. his his big old beefy brain. That's not <laughs> it. Be the best. Not this episode. We got to wrap <laughs> this up. All right, Beef Boy. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe. So 